The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Jacob Perkins was 12 years old when he was diagnosed with osteosarcoma, a rare form of bone cancer that was in January of last year. When he and his family were told that the diagnosis was terminal, he had one wish and the Make-A-Wish Foundation decided to try to make that wish come true. Now, sadly, Jacob passed away on the 5th of November of last year, just three days before his 13th birthday. I'm joined in studio by Suzanne and Doug Perkins, mother and father of Jacob, and also by Suzanne McQuaid Dwyer, CEO of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Good morning and welcome to you both. Okay. Um, my condolences, first of all, uh, to you both. I mean, it's it, to, to be predeceased by a child is just unthinkable. So yeah, my heart is, goes yeah. out to you. Thank you. Um, and this unfolded with uh, incredible suddenness, really. So so tell me what happened, Suzanne. Yeah, like from January, we were kind of given a bit of hope. We thought Jacob could be cured. And it was only like um, a few months later, I think it was after his big operation on his leg to save his leg, like salvage yeah, operation, that they said um, the it was a bit spread onto his lungs. Okay, so there were secondaries that had uh, spread. But tell spread, me, yeah. I mean, as a, as a young fellow, it's the last thing you expect that someone will have a bone cancer. How how was it diagnosed? I mean, what were his symptoms? Um, on the eighth of January, he was getting um his tyres out of the conservatory from Christmas. So yeah. he was grabbing a few of his tyres, and he had a bag of tyres. He was coming in, and he just fell, and. He came into the sitting room to us and he says, I'm after hurting my leg. I'm after falling. He was crying. And Jacob was a bit of an exaggerator, yeah, a bit we of a were, drama we were all queen. Less than sympathetic at the time, Pat. <laughs> okay. he, he, he just about got a kick up the arse now, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. He was a so, drama queen. A and drama queen. We, we kind of says, it'd be okay, it'd be okay. Um, but about an hour later, we saw him limp and he wasn't using his leg. And uh, we got concerned then that he was after hurting himself. So yeah. we had a look and his leg was very swollen. And that was a Saturday night. So Sunday, we just rested him. Monday, we took him to hospital, to um, Tallow Hospital. And he got scans and they sent everything down to our ladies. They must have spot something. Yeah. Um, and it all kicked off from there. So Wednesday, we went, went into our ladies. And by Friday, he was getting the biopsy. And we were told on Friday that uh, it was bone cancer. So, was so from... Sarcoma. You know, the, the post-Christmas, tidying up the toys, doing this, suddenly you're into a major family crisis within, yeah, exactly, within a week. Yeah, yeah. Within a week. Yeah. What did they tell you about the prognosis for Jacob at that time in Crumlin? Um, I mean, did they, what odds did they give him? He was oncologist, was very positive. She says, we're getting through this. Um, no matter what it takes, um, we're going to get through this. We're going to make him better. And that's all we cared about because we said... No matter what you have to do, even if he has to lose his leg, anything you have to do, just get him back to us. Now, he was obviously getting all the treatment that they could offer for this particular uh, yeah, they, osteosarcoma. They gave him the best of treatments. They gave him the best of chemos because my husband looked it up and whatever he was getting was what they do in America. It was State all the of best. the art. Yeah, it was all the best. It's just it wasn't working for Jacob, the chemo. Um, his cancer was too aggressive and the chemos have no effect. So... So um, the operation on his leg, uh, why was that done? I mean, what was the, did they think they could uh, excise some of the, the cancer from the leg? I think when they booked him in for the operation, um, they did a scan shortly before the operation. I think it was days, wasn't it, before? Two days. 
before the operation and um they still went in with the hopes of saving him, I think. But they had spot a few spots step. on his long start but um I don't think it was I think they still had a bit of hope that the cancer yeah. would work because he'd only had like 10 weeks of, can- uh, of sorry, the chemo would work. They'd, he'd only had 10 weeks of chemo before the operation. So they thought with all the chemo after the operation, it could still work. It was only kind of, was it July? They told yeah. us. Was just, just to repeat that, on no the hope. day of his leg salvage surgery, uh, we were made aware that the situation in his lungs had deteriorated. What was probable up until then was almost a positive. Okay. So on the day of his operation, you already had uh, we, we, we concerns. Were, we were holding our yeah. breath for his leg, um, but really we were holding our breath. Yeah. Did they ever tell you how long that cancer might have been there before his fall in the conservatory? No, but they did um, say. So did he ever complain about his leg before? Did he ever say he had a sore yeah. leg? And Jacob himself remembered when he was in school. It was a little running track in the school. Yeah. Um, he said he was running um, around the track for all the other children in November and he hurt his leg. But he never actually came home and told us he hurt his yeah. leg. Like he was still using it like um, maybe things could have been different if he had have just been limping a bit or just we yeah. might have picked but up. But even then, never you, did. you know, you don't expect in schools all the time. People no, and you don't expect a child with a sore leg. You don't no, expect it to be cancer. Not. He went to prayer so um, New Year's Eve. There wasn't a bad one. Yeah, but when he came home, this was the second time when he came down uh, the hill on New Year's Eve, he was running with his cousins and he says, oh, my leg. But that was the second time. Still didn't think anything of it yeah. until... He wasn't using his leg after the fall on the 8th of January and he was actually uh, limping and not leaning on it. And then we thought he's after hurting himself. At what point did they tell you that there was no hope, that they couldn't do anything more for him? Um, it was July, wasn't it? 29th of July. 29th of July. Um, was the worst day of our life apart from today when we lost because trying to live with that then, because it was months later the, before he succumbed to his illness, knowing this must have made it very difficult. I'm sure you tried to achieve a normality for him and not. To, we did, never let him know that yeah. he had no hope because he was only 12 and we didn't want to scare him. So we tried to New just, chemos. yeah, we said, so oh, we're trying a different chemo and just and we tried to keep it as positive for him. Um, so he never knew. He never knew um, what was happening. He just uh, knew he had to just get treatments in the hospital and that was it. And he remained positive all the way through. He was such a... Tell, tell me about his dream, his wish. Yeah. Um, Jacob loves princesses and loves Ariel the mermaid. And he's loved Ariel since he was about two or three. So he's always loved Disney. Um so Jacob had a, a pneumothorax, which is a collapsed lung, which made it impossible for him to fly. So there was no going to Paris for Disney no, World? No, because we were hoping to take him to Euro Disney to meet the princesses. So uh, Make-A-Wish were talking to us and the girl, Sharon, who was looking after us, um, suggested, what about a princess party? And I said, yeah, sounds great, you know. And I thought it'd be good, but like... 
make a wish just went i mean if this wasn't a, a, it was a princess party in a domestic house <laughs> this no. was something entirely different it was huge. Uh, how magical was that day what did they do and where did they do it um first of all when he woke up that morning to was uh presents outside the door from and loads of cakes with his name on it and with um a princess or a mermaid tail on the cakes as well um and then it was a little basket with goodies and make a wish cap and a few other bits and pieces and then um a makeup artist came to the house uh jacob or no sorry mark jacobs mark jacobs came to the house uh apparently he's very famous <laughs> yeah mm. um and he did jacob's makeup and he was lovely next of all the big limo arrived to bring us all to Parmesan House Estate. Um, when we arrived, everybody was just dressed up. All our families had just dressed up as prince princesses and princes. And it was amazing to look at it. was just colour everywhere. So Jacob was overwhelmed when he looked out the limo and saw all these people, you know, standing outside. Um, it was a video a person recording everything, taking photographs of everything. Um, so we were brought in ahead of everybody else um, where we got a few more pictures and stuff and the place was all set up with aerial and refreshments and food and tough food and it was all sorts. And what um, was Jacob's reaction to all of this? I mean, he obviously got some sense that something's happening when he woke up with the presents and the, the cake with the mermaid's tail. He just but then felt, a stretch limo arrives. I know. He felt like a celebrity and he, Jacob always wanted to be famous and throughout the whole day he felt like he was famous. It was just, he was overwhelmed with everything that went on. But um, like Jordan today, that was singers that came down, theatrical singers. They were yeah. singing all Disney songs. But the highlight for Jacob was when the princesses start walking down the stairs. That was real magical. And his face just lit up. Just he was. Mm. Yeah, he's blown away. Um, but by the end of it all, he was tired from I'm smiling sure and tired <laughs> from the photos. And he says, Mom, I don't know whether I want to be that famous, maybe just a little bit famous. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, he, it was he, amazing. He had a great day and, oh, wonderful, uh, yeah. you know, his wish came true, but also as well as making a wish come true, made a lot of memories for, for you For guys. everybody. Yeah. Um, that's another thing, like all our families um, will always have that memory that day. Um, so, yeah, it's huge and we have all the photos and videos as well. But um, it's, yeah, it's great to have for all of us. Yeah. yeah. For his brothers and sisters as well. So, But for uh, the memory of Jacob, he's there. He's, you know, 12 years old. He's enjoying himself in Palmerston House. He was his, a mermaid for the day. Mermaid for the day. His, yeah. his dream came true. Yeah. Um, you had many... Uh, tough months ahead of you then um, before the, the the awful time when you knew you had to lose him and knowing you're going to lose him, you know, do, is, is no help. It's no help. No, it was really difficult to try to be positive around Jacob and try to smile all the time and not let him know that it was killing you inside. So like trying to not cry. Yeah. You had to learn. You had to train yourself not to cry. So, but every so often you you just couldn't help and you just have to run off and then you'd come back, your eyes be all swollen and he'd say, Mom, you okay? Were you crying? And I'd say, oh, no, I was, I think I was sneezing and stuff or you'd be making excuses yeah. for it. But 
all we wanted to do was protect Jacob. And and you managed to do that right to the end. We did, yeah. He, he never knew until the end, yeah. Well, my heart goes out to you because it's just unthinkable. And I know parents listening in who have a, a child or a, a child who's gone through something like this will be uh, feeling for you very deeply. Um, yeah, because um, I've met a couple of wonderful mothers who have gone through the same. Um, and just nothing, nothing is devastating. No. Your life is it, just kind of torn apart. It's, uh, your heart is broken and it'll never be fixed. Like we have other children at home, but ever since Jacob went, the house feels empty. Just, yeah. just not the same, you know. Well, the the memories that uh, were enshrined on that day in Palmerston House uh, will remain with you. The video and the photographs and so on. And yeah. the Make-A-Wish Foundation uh, made it happen. And uh, Suzanne, uh, thank you and Doug, but feel free to join in my conversation with yeah. uh, Susan McQuaid-O'Dwyer, who's the CEO of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Some people will not have heard of what you do, Susan. So tell us, what is the whole rationale we, we grant wishes to children between the ages of three and 17 years of age throughout Ireland who are living with a life-threatening medical condition. And as you've heard from both Sue and Doug, the impact we make is incredible. And it's not just the impact on the child, but it's also the effect it has on the entire family. And that includes grandparents and cousins. Um, what we do is we bring... Um, we enable our children and their families to create happy, positive memories during a time when they're actually going through a living hell. How many wishes can you grant every year? We actually at the moment have over 270 children on our waiting list. We've seen a 65% increase on the number of applications over the last year. So with COVID, um, unfortunately, the number of wishes that we could grant diminished. But I'm really proud to say that Back in 2023 now, we are aiming to get back to pre-pandemic numbers, which is around 200 wishes per annum. How do you fund yourself? Because although you have a lot of volunteers who help out, uh, I've no doubt about that, but still, it does cost money. No, it does. Um, And there's no government funding whatsoever. So we're reliant entirely on the generosity of the general public. And, you know, I'd like to take this time just to say a huge thank you to the general public for the support, because it's them that are making wishes come true. It's them that are making an impact on the likes of Sue, Doug and their family. Now, uh, Jacob, obviously, he made an impact on your organisation as well. Huge. Um, You know, it's it's hard not to be uh, affected. Um, To be honest, we're really humbled that Sue and Doug have taken the time out to actually, you know, help us promote Wish Week, which is happening this week. Jacob has touched all of us in the office. um, And one of the things that we, when talking to Sue and Doug, was that we knew that, you know, Jacob still wanted to be famous. So as far as we're concerned, Make-A-Wish is determined this week to make Jacob even more famous than he was or is. And the actual business of making a wish come true, I mean, how do you do it? I mean, do you have a whole committee of volunteers who use their imagination, who come up with ideas uh, to make sure that as best possible? I mean, we heard that Jacob could not travel to Paris, which he would have loved, uh, I've no doubt. 
but physically it wasn't on for him to go. So you must have very creative people working with you. We've an incredible team and it's a very small team. You know, it's a very lean team, but we're we're also supported with over 80 volunteers nationwide, which is fantastic. But, you know, once an application comes into the office, it is actually sent back to the child's own consultant to deem the eligibility. Then what we do is we go out and do what we call wish capture, which is where we have two volunteers that would go and meet a family like Sue and Doug and talk to Jacob. Um, when that comes back, the wish actually goes back to the consultant to see whether the child is able for this wish. Mm. And then it comes back and that's when the magic happens. Mm. Do you remember that consultation when they came to see you about Jacob's wish? Yeah, well, most of what was done on the phone was uh, to return to Sharon Lilla, um, which was brilliant to just land us there, everything that was happening. But she still had a couple of surprises on the day that we didn't know about. So it was it made it extra special. Yeah. That's the one thing you will see in our office is, you know, you'll hear a wish is happening. Um, like we had four happening just this weekend. Um, but there's always that little extra nugget that the family will never know about. Mm. And that's where you really see the child beam because we've delved into the child's imagination. We've consulted with the family. We know what it is that's going to make this wish special. But our wish granting team just go always go the extra mile. Now, uh, you do create um, happiness uh, on the day, making uh, dreams come true. But underlying all of this, it's a it's a sad enough business. No, it is. But you know something? It's the likes of Sue and Doug and Jacob's story that get us up every morning and want us or get us to do more for our children. And they are our children uh, because each and every one of our children touch us. So we just need to continue granting more wishes because they do make an incredible impact. And of course, you need cash, uh, cash to be able to do that. And this week, News Talk is partnering with Make-A-Wish Ireland to celebrate Wish Week. And uh, we'll have lots of things going on on the station uh, during this week. But again, we have to say that Make-A-Wish is dependent upon the generosity of the public. So you can donate online at makeawish.ie forward slash donate. You can do something very simple. You can text my wish to 50300 and uh, that will make a donation of uh, four euro and you'll get at least 360 of that so there's not much of a charge involved in the collection of that money and on Revolut uh, search Make-A-Wish Ireland in Revolut donations and you can donate there and many more wishes to come hopefully look my thanks my special thanks to to Doug and Suzanne for coming in to tell us about the short life of Jacob and at least one or two happy days that he had. And uh, my thanks uh, to Suzanne, Susan McQuaid, Odwara, CEO of Make-A-Wish Foundation. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.